Introduction by Frederick Locker Lamson. Read for LibriVox.org. Introduction. The father of Frederick Locker Lamson, or Frederick Locker, according to the name by which he is generally known, was Edward Hawk Locker, at one time commissioner of Greenwich Hospital. He is described in the Dictionary of National Biography as a man of varied talents and accomplishments, fellow of the Royal Society, an excellent artist in watercolor, a charming conversationalist, an esteemed friend of Southey and Scott. Frederick, the author of London Lyrics, was born, Mr. Augustine Birrell, his son-in-law, writes in Scribner's Magazine, January 1896, in Greenwich Hospital in 1821. After divers adventures in various not over-well-selected schools, and a brief experience of the city of Somerset House, he became a clerk in the Admiralty, serving under Lord Haddington, Sir James Graham, and Sir Charles Wood. He was twice married, first to Lady Charlotte Bruce, a daughter of Lord Elgin, of the Marbles, and secondly to the only daughter of Sir Curtis Lampson, Baronet of Rolfund in Sussex. The present volume is Locker's earliest literary venture, produced, however, at the comparatively mature age of thirty-six. In 1857, he says, in my confidences, I published a thin volume, certain sparrow flights of song, called London Lyrics. Subsequently, about 1860, Thackeray, who was then editor of the Cornhill magazine, invited Locker to contribute, and poems published there and elsewhere were collected and reprinted from time to time, the original title being always retained. Ten editions, besides some selections privately printed, appeared before the poet's death. In almost all something new was added, in all something old was taken away so that only eight of the twenty-five pieces composing the early thin volume survive in the issue of 1893. These are much altered. It is hoped that readers of Locker's later and more highly finished work will consider a republication of his Primitiae, justified by the interest which attaches to all beginnings. So many people even now confuse minor poetry with bad poetry that it is almost invidious to call a poet minor. Yet there is no doubt that minor poetry can be good in its own way, just as major poetry can be good in its way. If he, Locker, was a minor poet, he was at least, why at least, a master of the instrument he touched, which cannot, writes Mr. Colson Kernahan in the 19th century for October 1895, be said of all who would be accounted major. Locker was not one of those, in his own opinion, who would be accounted major. My aim, he says, was humble. I used the ordinary meters and rhymes, the simplest language and ideas, I hope flavored with an individuality. I strove not to be flat, and above all, not to be tedious. It is not necessary to prove by argument and illustration that Locker is a minor poet, nor that he belongs to that honorable company of writers of what we now call light verse, the masters of which are, after all, among the immortals, Horace and Herrick. His place in that company is not so easy to define. Probably he stands halfway between the serious singers, who succeed by virtue of grace and artistic finish, yet lack the touch of passion the indefinable something that makes greatness, and the bards whose primary object, like Calverley's, is to make the reader laugh. 
he elected says mr coulson carnahan to don the cap and bells when he might have worn the singing robes of the poet a description of one who chose to be a jester when he might have been serious and hardly applicable to locker who is never a professed funny man mr carnahan is far more just when he claims for london lyrics a kind of sober gentleness which moves neither to laugh nor to weep his sad scenes may touch us to tender melancholy but never to tears his gay ones to smile but seldom to laughter locker's muse is not the muse of high spirits he does not start with the intention of jesting he is the gentle and serious spectator of things which are not the most serious in life with a sense of the humorous which is not repressible and which enters into all his reflections but which he never allows to wholly master him it is really impossible to classify poets on any satisfactory principle every good poet is a class by himself but if the attempt must be made one must say that the author of london lyrics belongs to that school of which the other chief representatives in english or american literature have been prayed oliver winter holmes and mr austin dobson it has always been the fashion to class him with the first named of the trio as a writer of occasional verse or vers de societe these titles like other parts of the nomenclature of the poetic art are not satisfying why smoothly written verse where a boudoir decorum is or ought to always be preserved where sentiment never surges into passion where humour never overflows into boisterous merriment should be conventionally called society verse or occasional verse is not very clear to write society verse is to be the laureate of the cultured leisured pleasure-loving upper classes but some poets satisfy above the requirements locker himself included yet certainly do not write exclusively of or for society then again what is occasional many serious poems are inspired by the transient occasion but we are not presumably to class avenge o lord thy slaughtered saints among occasional pieces nor is wordsworth's sonnet on london at dawn to be called occasional yet the source of it the fact that the poet happened to be upon westminster bridge in the early morning was transient not apparently inherent in the nature of things however these names must be accepted as we find them here is locker's own law occasional verse he says should be short graceful refined and fanciful not seldom distinguished by chastened sentiment and often playful the tone should not be pitched high it should be terse and idiomatic and rather in the conversational key the rhythm should be crisp and sparkling and the rhyme frequent and never forced while the entire poem should be marked by tasteful moderation high finish and completeness however trivial the subject matter may be indeed rather in proportion to its triviality subordination to the rules of composition and perfection of execution are of the utmost importance among the enviable versifiers who can satisfy these requirements prade and locker both hold a high place prade indeed is chief among the writers of vers de societe for not only does his manner conform to the laws laid down by high authorities but his theme is generally society with a capital s 
prayed says locker in my confidences is the very best of his school indeed he has a unique position for in his narrower vein of whimsical wit vernacular banter and antithetical rhetoric which may correctly be called ver de societe in its most perfected form and in its exactest sense he has never been equalled these phrases hit off prayed very well if one does not exactly see what society has to do with antithetical rhetoric these two poets so often classed together are not really very much alike both are certainly in lighter vein but they differ apparently in temperament and certainly in method no one would deny to pray the gift of humor but the period in which he wrote was one which admired primarily wit and while it would be too much to say that his heart is not in his theme that he stands detached from it still his sympathies are indubitably subordinate to the effort the successful effort to bring off a neat point to make a pun in the right place to be striking antithetical epigrammatic his verses have the finish in their way of pope's couplet and ovid's pentameter his best-known and most praised work appeals primarily to the taste and the ear always perhaps to the head rather than to the heart there is something of hard brilliance in braid he writes for effect he is epideictic of course this is one object of writers of society verses sole secret to jingle and scan as an unduly severe critic says somewhere one need hardly say that this is not Prade's sole secret but technique is certainly his strong point where are my friends i am alone no playmate shares my beaker some lie beneath the churchyard stone and some before the speaker and some compose a tragedy and some compose a rondo and some draw sword for liberty and some draw pleas for john doe tom mill was used to blacken eyes without the fear of sessions charles medler loathed false quantities as much as false professions now mill keeps order in the land as magistrate pedantic and medlar's feet repose unscanned beneath the wide atlantic this is the art which does not conceal itself one may not be able to do the trick but it is possible to see how the trick is done no one says locker when speaking of occasional or society verse has fully succeeded who does not possess a certain gift of irony that is profoundly true a would-be writer of light verse who has not the ironical habit of mind had better change his purpose and write an epic locker has his full share of the necessary gift half gay half melancholy always ironical dissembling most of pain in some of pleasure he is in certain ways the appropriate spokesman of a society like our own which is really most natural when most dissembling or dismissing with a smile its deeper emotions there is nothing about locker which is not natural as he is so apparently does he speak far more candidly and with more self-revelation than prayed more candidly than mr austin dobson who is apt to veil his personality behind a mask of elegant antiquarianism but locker is more artless and naive which qualities are in him not the least inconsistent with irony than any modern writer except perhaps r l stevenson now and then and when the latter naivete itself is sometimes an artifice mr brander matthews rightly lays stress on this aspect of locker's poetry individuality and directness of expression that is the true note of london lyrics 
he is far more genuine and spontaneous than prayed it is difficult and perhaps invidious to compare the two humorists it may be that locker's vein of humor is larger and truer than the earlier poets prayed belongs as has been said to a period of other men and other manners probably he is the wittier of the two yet this might be contradicted locker's humor has the reflective vein with a suggestion of pathos of the great writers who flourished in the early and middle victorian era we are perhaps a little out of tune now with the sentiment of the middle of the nineteenth century and perhaps too with prade's antithetical rhetoric but locker's humor can never be quite out of fashion readers will always smile not laugh at the housemaid or the pilgrims of pell-mell or the lines to my grandmother with her bridal wreath bouquet lace farthingale and gay falbala if romney's touch be true what a lucky dog were you grandpa what fancy slips from atween these cherry lips whisper me fair sorceress in paint what canon says i mayn't marry thee but perhaps for a nutshell's content of whimsical Lockerian humor the gem which will occur to most is the delightful reminiscence of infancy i recollect a nurse called anne who carried me about in the grass and one fine day a fine young man came up and kissed the pretty lass she did not make the least objection thinks i aha when i can talk i'll tell mamma and that's my earliest recollection locker's mottoes of which this is one often contained his most characteristic lines prade could no more have written that or the lines to my grandmother than locker could have written the vicar both poets have other strings prade's more serious vein could win a contemporary reputation but he would not have been remembered for this alone after eighty years in at her window which mr colson kernahan rightly calls one of the most beautiful love songs of the century locker is no longer ironical but rises to the heights of real passion beating heart we come again where my love reposes this is mabel's window-pane these are mabel's roses mabel will be decked anon zoned in bride's apparel happy zone o oh, hark to yon passion shaken carol sing thy song thou tranced thrush pipe thy best thy clearest hush her lattice moves o oh, hush dearest mabel dearest i once tried says locker in my confidences to write like prayed the effort was not wholly successful locker is weakest where his manner is most pradian and the poet either realizing this or moulded by the temper of his time appears to have altered most of the obviously imitative passages thus in tempora mutantur the last stanza runs in eighteen fifty seven what brought this wanderer here and why was pamela away it might be she had found her grave or he had found her gay but the antithetical pun is excised in the 1893 edition, where the lines are, The pilgrim sees an empty chair where Pamela once sat. It may be she had found her grave. It might be worse than that. So in Bramble Rise, my bank of early violets is now a bank of savings. You mark the paramonesia, play pawn words, does not continue to please the taste of the pun-despising fin de siècle public or of locker himself the corresponding stanza in the poem as published in eighteen ninety three is purified of such tricks 
these alterations are characteristics of locker's literary method he was keenly critical of himself never says mr birrell could mistake good verses for bad and was therefore always changing and polishing his work adding here pruning there thus only eight poems from the eighteen fifty seven volume form part of the london lyrics of eighteen ninety three and only five of these bramble rise piccadilly the pilgrims of pall mall circumstance the widow's might have maintained their footing throughout all and intervening editions three others are as it were rusticated from the very severely edited selection of eighteen eighty one the variety of forms under which his verses appear at different periods will probably make the poet's works a happy hunting-ground for the future commentator, who will no doubt assign this lay, as he will probably call it, to Locker, that to Lampson, that again to the Lockridae or the Lampshunschule. The method is familiar. No one, probably, was ever so careful of the Limier labor he took we are told great pains with his verses always aiming at a more perfect finish with no loss of that naturalist which as has been said characterizes all his work according to the saying quoted by matthew arnold of joubert he s'inquiète de perfection perfection to him implied an appearance of spontaneity what looked labored or artificial must be elaborated till it looked spontaneous as it was in thought if not altogether development his critical sense seems to have grown keener with his interest in the making of verses he was a great student of verse mr birrell says and a student especially of that kind of verse of which he was himself one of the masters in eighteen sixty seven he published the well-known collection lyra elegantarium assisted by mr kernahan the preface written by locker contains some excellent rules for light verse from which the selections are made this anthology ranges over the whole field of english poetry and like everything else of locker's it shows the man its charm writes the editor's collaborator is entirely of the editor's individuality at least from his favorites in literature one might make a very fair guess at some part of his character so too patchwork a kind of scrapbook a collection of miscellaneous antidotes mostly humorous but not as a rule broadly or farcically funny illustrates his delicate and subtle perception of the laughable locker married lady charlotte bruce in eighteen fifty and soon after left the service of government thenceforward he appears to have led a very placid life happy in his family seeing much of his large circle of friends devoted to poetry and book collecting lyra elegantarum was published in eighteen sixty seven patchwork in eighteen seventy nine in eighteen eighty six locker published a catalogue of what he called the rofant library his collection of rare and valuable books mostly the poetry of the fifteenth and sixteenth centuries and autographs of which mr andrew lang has sung the rofant books how fair they show the quarto quaint the aldine tall print autograph portfolio back from the outer air they call the athletes from the tennis ball this rhymer from his rod and hooks would i could sing them one and all the rofant books locker's first wife died in eighteen seventy two in eighteen seventy four he married miss lampson adding her family name to his own the rest of his life was spent for the most part at rofant he died there 
30th May, 1895. His autobiography, My Confidences, was published posthumously in 1896. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain.